Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. Paul, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to jumping into our conversation, which will be focused on what NVIDIA is doing around Rapids and QML and all of the interesting stuff in that area. But before we do that, you were a philosophy major. How did you make your way to working in machine learning? I was a philosophy major. And two years before I was set to graduate, I added economics as a major. Um, because I read The Economist magazine and thought that it was a fascinating collection of a uh, bunch of different articles about different aspects of the world. So I figured if that's what economists read, I wanted to be an economist. Um, I went on to do a uh, master's degree in economics where I mostly fo focused on quantitative methods. And um, in an earlier life, I went out to Washington, D.C., where uh, I worked as an economist. Um, I began my career at the World Bank, serving on uh, health and human welfare issues in sub-Saharan Africa. And then I worked for the office of the chief economist at Fannie Mae. Um, now, one day while waiting for the bus uh, to get home from Fannie Mae, there was a article from the New York Times about a gentleman from SUNY Buffalo that had written uh, an algorithm that was offering notes on screenplays. And I always had like a hobby interest in, you know, the different creative uh, arts aspects of, uh, of our culture. And when I saw that somebody had written, you know, essentially a big block of math and code that was telling writers how to write their screenplays better, I immediately decided that I needed to uh, switch into data science or big data, which was the more popular term at the time, because um, that was where some of the most interesting things in the world were going on. That, that's a great story. I, you, you remember the moment, literally the bus ride that triggered the, uh, that set you off down this path. Yeah, it was raining at the time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so what do you do now? What I've uh, been doing for the last year, um, I had uh, been at a couple of startups and I joined NVIDIA to work on um, what we've been calling the, uh, the rapids project or the rapids ecosystem. Um, now what that, uh, began as is that, um, our director of engineering, um, who I'd worked with, uh, previously at Accenture, um, for years had been saying that, you know, we see this great acceleration in, you know, neural network methods as a result of getting them on GPUs, but you are not seeing any of those advantages for more of like the bread and butter data science that happens at a lot of places, you know, like Fannie Mae or like the World Bank, where they may have large data sets and questions they want to address through machine learning. But we aren't talking about, you know, convolutional neural networks to uh, understand images. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time when I was working at a, a data scientist at a couple of startups, um, I like to joke that I was really a uh, bar trivia champion because while I was waiting for uh, my code to finish running and spit out my result, I had plenty of time to uh, read all the news of the world on the Internet. Um, <laughs> 
And I guess, you know, uh, unfortunately for, for me and my compatriots in, in data science, um, what we've done with uh, QML and uh, QDF in particular is, uh, you know, if somebody knows pandas or they know the PyData ecosystem, they can immediately jump right in and start seeing just crazy speed ups like, you know, 50x, like sometimes more than that on doing their end to end workflows. And that includes you know, reading from uh, disk to GPU memory, um, doing all your data munging and merging and variable creation um, through actually executing your algorithm and, you know, um, making inferences. So um, the idea was that uh, since all of this, well, I mean, some of it is not obviously tractable to GPUs. We um, are able to process strings in the, the latest in iteration of QDF, which to me seems like a miracle. But um, it really, I like to joke that it's kind of like before, you know, the, the team that I, I work with um, had you know, delivered these big pieces of QDF. It's like I could drive a car and now suddenly I can fly a plane and I don't need to be an expert in CUDA or parallel algorithms or anything except the tools that I've worked with most of my career. Now, let's take a step back, maybe. When I introduced you, I mentioned QML. You've mentioned QDF, uh, mentioned Rapids. Can you kind of paint a picture of the broader ecosystem of software and libraries and tools that comprise uh, or make up Rapids and you know how they all fit together? Uh, yeah. So... Rapids is the overall name of the project, and that's made up of smaller sub-libraries that all start with um, KU because that's inherited from CUDA. Um, Rapids is built on NVIDIA CUDA. And CUDA is the, for anyone who's not oh, yeah. familiar, it's the <laughs> yeah. underlying library uh, or API for doing things on NVIDIA GPUs. Right. It's the, it's the general purpose computing library for NVIDIA GPUs. Okay. And if you think about um, the, the more broad PyData ecosystem, I think a lot of people uh, do a lot of their initial um, data cleaning and exploration in pandas. And so that's what QDF is meant to um, replace for people that are moving their workloads onto GPUs. And so the API is very, very close. Um, and you're able to, in some cases, just change the import statements at the top of your program, and it will just work. And so Pandas has this kind of core abstraction of a data frame, and so QDF is just a kind of, you can think of it as a CUDA-powered data frame? Yeah, I think that's the best way to think about it. Okay. QML is our machine learning toolkit, and we... Um, aspire to one day have uh, almost all the functionality that exists in scikit-learn. Um, scikit-learn is an eminent package built by some of the world's greatest developers, so we've got a ways to go there. Um, but we've been rapidly adding algorithms in the last release, for example. Um, we have uh, stochastic gradient descent regression, um, ordinary linear regression, ridge regression, uh, principal components analysis, and um, some other things like Kalman filtering. What we're trying to do is start with the things that uh, are the real 
workhorses of of day to day machine learning in business and other parts of industry. Um, and it's been exciting to watch the package grow. In fact, when we launched back in October, um, we had I think four algorithms in QML, and uh, we've doubled that over the last couple of months. It was very exciting to present at the um, GPU Developers Conference in San Jose, California, a couple of weeks ago to the wider community, um, all the things that we had been able to uh, deliver in such a short amount of time. You mentioned that you kind of aspire to to scikit-learn. Does, is the... Does that mean that QML replaces scikit-learn? Uh, it sounds like it does for folks that are uh, trying to take advantage of uh, the GPU. And was there an opportunity to, rather than replacing scikit-learn, kind of fit in underneath it so folks can that use that API or that have existing work that uses scikit-learn could take advantage of the GPU acceleration uh, without having to rewrite their their apps? I mean, at least with the algorithms uh, we've delivered, um, we've tried to keep the API one-to-one. Okay. Um, for any of your listeners, I would encourage them to take a look at the API and just see how close it is to scikit-learn. I'd also like to add that um, we've partnered with INRIA, um, the French research institution that does a lot of work uh, on scikit-learn, and over the next uh, over the next few months and few years, we're going to be building that collaboration with them. Um, I don't think we'll ever replace Scikit-Learn because there are still problems where I don't think it's big enough or the use case is right to necessarily go to full GPUs. So I think of certain analyses I did as a economist, which would look like machine learning, but were maybe a few thousand rows. And this was much more traditional frequentist statistics. Um, I think that there's always going to be a lot of that work being done. Um, and I think that, you know, with any di- data science work, it's about finding the right tool for the job. But I will tell you, when I was um, testing out uh, our code uh, earlier in the summer, our, our demo workflow um, involved reading in, um, I think around like a gigabyte of CSV data to pandas. And on my MacBook Pro, it took like five and a half minutes. And on a single GPU, it took like 15 or 20 seconds. Um, Yeah, when you talk about, um, you know, I like to, data analysis is a uh, iterative, interactive process. And the faster you can move, the more fluid your conversation with the data will feel to you as a user. There won't be, you know, the long wait times to see your results or see if you made a coding error in my case or um, any of the other up an opportunity to become a bar trivia master. Yeah, it's, uh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we dig into, into that, because that's an interesting uh, point there, we were kind of talking about the landscape you mentioned QDF, QML. Are there other major pieces that we should be keeping track of in this conversation? Uh, yeah. We uh, are working on a graph analytics package called uh, QGraph. And, I could have guessed uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, our, 
minds are so fixated on accelerating the algorithms, we're totally out of bandwidth for fancier names. But um, <laughs> Everyone knows that Jensen does all the naming at NVIDIA, so why would anyone else spend any time thinking about that? <laughs> um, but KuGraph, KuGraph is embarrassing in the sense that we compare it to a, um, a graph analytics package in uh, Python, and it's one of those things where you see the numbers, you just really want to double check them, like 10,000 times speed ups over network X for certain algorithms. Uh, that was my reaction to the, the loading the data frame. Uh, and I still, I want to get through the kind of broad landscape before we dig deep into that, but that's the first place I'm going to come back to uh, once we do. So you've, you've got a graph analytics piece in KuGraph. Any other major components here? Um, some of the things that began as major components are now under the hood. So we put a bunch of effort into building a um, string reader. So you could directly um, parse data sets with strings. It's a very common thing that happens in uh, data science. GPUs do not like strings. Um, but uh, now you can uh, do things like uh, just easily create your dummy variables from strings on the GPU, uh, which sounds kind of ho-hum, but it's actually a pretty major achievement. And it's just part of the whole speeding things up. I don't think our case would be as compelling if we said that it could only be numerical data in the uh, QDF data frame. Um, mm -hmm. That simply will not work for many use cases. So um, we also have uh, a package called uh, QCrossFilter. Uh, it's written as QXFilter, and we're going to be building out um, some accelerated, GPU-accelerated visualizations. Um, so... If you think of the workflow from munging to analysis to insight through visualizations, um, we want to be able to offer every piece of that puzzle. The other thing, we're heavily using a um, software called Dask, and Dask is a package that um, handles distributed computing. It um, it has been used to um, scale out pandas, for example, to multiple cores. And the uh, we were lucky enough that the um, creator of Dask uh, has joined our team and um, is helping us use that as a way to um, distribute workloads when we're talking about moving beyond a single node of GPUs. Let's maybe go back to the that initial example you gave of loading the pandas data frame we're loading the data frame uh you said it was a terabyte uh it was a, it was a gigabyte a gig. um, it's pretty easy to choke pandas um and i'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners has, have experienced this uh before the workflow uh was uh fannie mae makes um loan delinquency data going back i think 16 years available for free and this is um you know the whole payment history for a subset of all the loans that Fannie Mae has acquired. And as a, a demo workflow, what we wanted to do is read in, you know, however many quarters of data we could fit or were relevant, and then apply XGBoost to predict default. Um, which reminds me of another sort of under the hood improvement that we've made. It's not really under the hood, but we have made contributions to the DMLC uh, XGBoost library and we'll continue to do so. Um, 
that uh, you know has has appeared in a lot of our um, you know early presentations and webinars. Um, I think XGBoost is almost like magic, and it's a good broad workhorse for the first thing that we were going to introduce. But um, we are working with the community uh, to um, make certain changes to XGBoost that um, make it more amenable for the Rapids ecosystem, but then giving those back to the community. Um, so uh, pardon that uh, sidebar, but with the, uh, the uh, before any real um, data processing had, had happened, just bringing in this uh, dense, large data set, um, as a rule of thumb, we couldn't do more than a couple of quarters of data. And then you would really see the, uh, the time to like load and go through the data preparation and execute the algorithm uh, increase substantially. So uh, I think that the largest we could do on um, pandas quarter-wise was like two or three quarters of data if they were small. So I think the biggest we tried was about one and a half gigabytes. And that's where you saw those um, you know, really kind of frustrating load times of, of more than five minutes. And so what's happening here in these two different scenarios is on the Panda side, you've got uh, a gig and a half or on both sides, you've got a gig and a half of information on a disk, probably a CSV file, perhaps. Right. That's uh, correct. And you're loading it into a data frame on the Panda side, it's a data frame that's located in RAM. And on the Rapid side, it's a QDF frame that's located on the GPU itself. Is that right? Yep. In GPU memory. Okay. And that's where the kind of the five minutes versus 15 seconds differentiation comes from. Yeah. And this is where, um, this really is more for like our, our hardcore C guys, but there's some problems with pandas that have been known for a while. You know, it's, it's great. Like I can't, uh, thank Wes McKinney and the community enough for, uh, open sourcing it because it's, you know, put food on my plate for five or six years, but it's also, um, single threaded on the CPU. So, so even in the, the world of CPUs, you started to see people look for things like Dask to help, um, you know, better leverage even the, the multiple cores of CPUs you might have on your MacBook Pro. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's kind of funny. You know, every, every data science gig I've had, they've given me like a shiny MacBook Pro and I mostly work in Jupyter Notebooks and most of that stuff is only taking advantage of a single core of the processor. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to exaggerate too much, but it's almost like... You still want the next MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. I want to see what they do with that touch bar. I got some thoughts on the touch bar, but... <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and so uh, uh, the other thing is that when we, uh, when we move past the, you know, the, the massive parallelism um, that you can get from using GPUs. When you get to the, uh, the side, I know better. This is all for the most part, matrix algebra and GPUs love matrix algebra. Mm -hmm. They are designed to do it. And, you know, in, in our algorithms, like, uh, doing, um, ridge regression, uh, which can take a, some time to run on, uh, 
in the conventional PyData ecosystem. Um, when I gave a uh, tutorial at the GPU uh, developers, uh, GPU technology convention, I was just like, we're going to just do a hyperparameter search and run through like a thousand ridge regressions on this Black Friday data set because it's just fast enough that we can kind of brute force hyperparameter search on certain data set sizes. And the do you have comparative results for that particular scenario? We aren't baking off every algorithm these days. Ridge regression is fast. I don't know. Like doing a ridge regression, I think like 800,000 rows took me like uh, man, less than a second, couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. I remember it being fast enough where I could do a live demo and run through 100 iterations of it. Normally doing two or three would have taken quite some time. Let's jump in to the uh, to this this part of it, the QML library. Can you maybe talk us through the uh, technical underpinnings of this? I mean, is it as simple as, hey, these things love matrix multiplication and we're just doing matrix multiplication using CUDA and it's just faster? Or are there kind of interesting nuances to the way some of these algorithms work that uh, might be worth chatting about? Um, Well, to start with, a little bit about the uh, architecture of QML. Um, So QML is built on top of what we're calling ML prims. Um, These are uh, primitive functions that are composed of even lower level math libraries or or various things that have been developed at NVIDIA for certain um, linear algebra purposes. And so um, we take these primitives and they are uh, delivered in C++. So then when we need something new, like uh, I have a colleague working on um, doing massively parallel ARIMA regressions. And so when he began working on that, we already had a Kalman filter primitive and an OLS primitive. And so the amount of new work that he needed to begin composing a prototype was dramatically reduced. Someday in the future, I actually want to see these ML prims wrapped in Python so um, different, you know, machine learning researchers or graduate students that aren't experts in parallel programming would be able to um, mock up the new algorithms they're inventing and be able to uh, leverage the advantages of the GPU. Yeah, that um, sounds like a uh, that sounds like a no brainer. Are the ML prims open source or are they locked up in a binary or something? I mean, even, uh, even of, if they're, they're in a, a binary, you should on, still uh, be able to... Specific thing. Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, so some of the stuff is uh, NVIDIA proprietary stuff, and we've tried to wrap it in a binary, but other ones are more open source. And it's a it's a discussion that we're going to continue to have. But wherever that ends a, up... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Is it a well-documented uh, you know, set of primitives, or is it kind of internal, nobody really knows about them uh, outside of the company? It's something that, you know, um, I've tried to mention publicly whenever we speak about it. It's not super well documented right now. So you'd need to you'd need to be able to go into uh, our GitHub folder and look at the primitives folder and be able to read a little bit of C, C++. Got it. OK. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I hopefully uh, want to, you know, wrap these in Python and, and introduce them to the greater development community to see what else they can do with them. Mm-hmm. Um now you mentioned are there are there some algorithms that are more or less tractable to that? I mean, 
right now we're working on building a lot of uh, different solvers for more exotic kinds of um, regressions. And one of the challenges in developing those has been, um, and this really is where, you know, I'm uh, in awe of some of the, the thinking of my colleagues. They're essentially sequential uh, algorithms, the way that they are originally designed, right? If you look at the most basic version of like a, uh, uh, gradient descent, you, you know, start someplace and you keep taking little steps until you're satisfied and then you stop. Now that's, um, a sequential operation. Um, when we've been doing some early inspections on different solvers, um, this morning, in fact, um, a colleague told me that he was disappointed that we were only getting a three X speed up because he was still trying to think around how to make the algorithm less sequential. So there will be things just by the way that the underlying math works that aren't going to necessarily be another 10,000 X speed up, but mm -hmm. a two or three X speed up, I think is still pretty great. And the other, you know, really heavy intellectual work that, um, is going on right now, um, that we hope to wrap up by the end of the summer or the fall is going to be on, um, multi-node, multi-GPU algorithms. And that's using Dask? Uh, in some cases, it'll use Dask. And we're currently working our way through what um, other kind of uh, communications layers could be helpful in trying to you know, block up this data and distribute it across uh, a cluster of GPUs in a way that creates a, you know, a wow moment for the user. Mm-hmm. I know that's a little markety, but that's <laughs> when I'm when I'm looking at when I'm looking at what you know we're doing with QML. Like that's what I'd really like. You know, we've we've been lucky so far that um, we have gotten some wows with what we deliver, but the the underlying uh, you know algebra and algorithms of breaking some of these things into parallel jobs is uh, very far from trivial. You mentioned that uh, some of the things that you're doing are allowing you to load your strings onto the GPU. Are you able to utilize the GPU for kind of uh, heavy, heavy kind of NLP types of algorithms? I guess for a lot of those, you're kind of numericalizing the textual data anyway, but are there any limitations there one way or the other? Um, there are some limitations, and we do want to do ML, uh, NLP. Um, we're not quite there yet. We're working on a uh, implementation of word to vec um, In terms of uh, preparing or understanding your data, we have a lot of um, ordinary string functions like uh, tokenizers. Um, we have a regular expressions engine, so you can um, search for regular expressions on strings and substrings and use that to create variables. I think probably closer towards the end of the year would be the soonest I expect us that we're going to deliver that, but it's certainly something that we're interested in and are currently working on. And in just in terms of like the, the less, the, the kind of the pre-processing to NLP is, is where we started. Um, and so, uh, now that we have, you know, released and continue to iterate on our, our string manipulations package, that's going to lay the foundation for, um, 
NLP practitioners to be able to work in a way that they're used to and have algorithms like word to vec um, or LDA or other things like that um, open and available to them. One of the things I'm curious about is in the QML library are all of these algorithms and everything you're doing with that library only dependent on the GPU? In other words, are you doing all of the compute in the GPU uh, or are you using the, the CPU, you know, as needed or, or where appropriate and, you know, and I'm wondering more, you know, more broadly, is it kind of an all or nothing kind of thing or is, is the focus really on doing a, a given operation in the best place for that operation? I think it's doing uh, a given operation um, where it's best suited, but um, we are really just looking at things that are are suited to the GPU. All of the, <laughs> That's yeah, actually kind of, <laughs> <laughs> so doing everything where it best where it's best suited, but everything is best suited in the GPU. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, surprise, I surprise. Say, for example. <laughs> Our work has been focused on, um, you know, once the, especially on the QML side, once the data is in GPU memory, we don't want to move it around. Um, that's kind of one of the big advantages that we have by doing end-to-end data science. We're dramatically cutting down on these read-writes. So, like, the data will come in and it'll sit as a QDF data frame and I can immediately pass it into my algorithm and it all stays in one place. So... Um, we're able to cut down some of the overhead by thinking really hard about um, reducing uh, the copies that happen in the course of doing this analysis. I imagine that there's a bit of a dichotomy or decision point around, you know, do you kind of optimize around these end-to-end workflows and then everyone who, you know, wants to do anything that utilizes the GPU and takes advantage of what you're doing needs to wait for you to build their algorithm, you know, or, you know, is there some way, you know, if I want to do something that, you know, that QML offers an optimized version of, but I also need to do stuff that, uh, for which there's not a QML optimized version, do I need to load you know, do the five minute pen to load into RAM and the load into the GPU and kind of go back and forth each time? Or, you know, is there some kind of scenario where I can load into the GPU and keep the data there, but also do CPU based operations against it? I don't even know if technically that makes any sense, you know, or is feasible. We have a bunch of different formats you can export data from QDF. So if you had an algorithm that we haven't built yet, um, and I'd say anybody is welcome to join in. This is an open source project. We'd love to have uh, any help we can get building these algorithms out. But if you have something that you need to do for work today and you're like, QDF sounds like a great way to speed up the pandas part of my workflow, but I am going to do a bunch of algorithms, for example, um, I want to do a bunch of Bayesian stuff. Um, we can export data from the GPU data frame into a pandas data frame, if that's what we'd like to work with it, um, into a numpy array. Uh, we support the arrow data format. Um, 
And we also just introduced support for DL Pack, which plays nicely with a handful of the deep learning packages like PyTorch. So um, while we're uh, working as hard as we can to add more algorithms to it for the user community, um, you can uh, pick and choose what's what's most useful to you at this time. I'd also like to add that um, QML can uh, take in NumPy arrays. So these packages were designed to be closely used together, but um, we know that that's uh, not going to cover all users, and um, that's not uh, necessarily a requirement. The other piece of this is QGraph, and I gather that's uh, a newer, kind of more emerging part of the Rapids ecosystem? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I don't have the deepest knowledge of uh, KuGraph on the team. Uh, I'm not uh, really a, a graph guy, but um, I know that their benchmarks have been fabulous, and we're hoping to make more graph algorithms available to people that heavily rely on graph theory in their day-to-day uh, -day work. And then maybe switching gears a little bit, beyond the work that's happening uh, in Rapids, uh, one of the things that was mentioned at this recent GTC was some uh, announcements uh, and partnerships around uh, creating a reference architecture for data science workstations. What can you tell us about that initiative? Yeah, the, the reference architecture for um, data science workstations is uh, very new, but um, what I think is exciting about it is that uh, for, for people that are able to get an NVIDIA data science workstation, um, we are going to have the, uh, the software that's going to be heavily based on Rapids laid out. Um, ideally, so once you get the data science workstation, um, it's loaded with the software that you need to have. That, that reference architecture will also refer to what we think the best uh, hardware layout is. Um, and we're just trying to, in another way, make GPU data science more um, accessible to people. Um, sometimes, uh, and it's a common project in data science circles to try to build your own deep learning rig. I think that's a great exercise, but it's not for everybody. And I've been in some very you know, um, serious corporate environments where IT is not going to let you bring in the computer that you built to start working on their proprietary data. Right, right. And the, the data science workstation initiative is um, really about making it as easy as possible for an organization that wants to dive into GPU data science to get started. Cool. Any parting thoughts from you on Rapids or QML or advice for folks who haven't really you know, been exposed to uh, what NVIDIA is doing on the software side that want to explore more? I would just really encourage uh, everybody to take a look. If you go to um, rapids.ai, that's a kind of a portal a landing page that will introduce somebody to everything that um, I haven't covered here as well as some of the things that I have, um, links to documentation, links to GitHub. We've begun a Google group. Uh, we encourage everybody that uh, touches Rapids and finds something that they don't like or that doesn't work to file a ticket. Um, you can see um, our roadmaps and our current work on GitHub, and we really want um, the community to be involved. Like, uh, you know, as I think about the 
machine learning algorithms that I'm going to roadmap next for the team to develop on, a lot of that has been informed by customer and community feedback. And it's going to continue to be informed by customer and community feedback. And so um, I would just you know, uh, ask anybody that uh, is interested in taking a look, um, you know, uh, please try to get involved with us because that's, that's really what's going to measure the success of our project. Uh, there's a real open source project and um, we've done a, a great job of building community so far. We've got Lots of stars and forks, but we want to see more of those. And uh, we're always happy to see issues opened on GitHub. Awesome. Well, Paul, thanks for taking the time to share with us what you're up to. Well, uh, thanks for having me. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. For more information on any of the shows in our GTC 2019 series, visit twimlai.com slash gtc19. Thanks again to Dell for sponsoring this series. Be sure to check them out at dellemc.com slash precision. As always, thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.